Welcome to the EIQ Nutrition Podcast. The aim of EIQ Nutrition is to help coaches support their clients in the best way that they can. What makes the EIQ course different is that it's practical and applied rather than just theory-based. This is a recording from our weekly Q&A sessions in the EIQ group and all questions are from the students and the graduates. If you want to support your clients in the best way possible and be the best coach you can be, head to eiqnutrition.com for a ton of free resources and to sign up for the next intake of the course. So fast. Hi, everyone. Hi. It's just me. (laughs) Well, everyone, people are listening live. Yeah, hopefully. I love what you put in the group. What about us moving this to an hour earlier? for mental capacity reasons well it is listen listen we know when our brains work best and our brains work best slightly earlier in the day so and I mean I think that's a good lesson generally as well like I think when you're a personal trainer and you can manage your own time or when you're an online coach you can manage your own time I think we often don't think about like prioritizing brain energy as well like well yeah technically I could do it at 8 p.m but it's like is it going to be good work at 8 p.m or should you leave your admin until then and mm-hmm. do like the more important stuff earlier when your brain's fresh or if you're a night owl which thankfully neither of us are then maybe you should do it at 8 p.m but it's like mm-hmm. figuring out what works for you agreed there's a girl actually that I'm mentoring at the moment she lives in Australia and I was buzzing because I was like okay this this is time difference I think I'm 13 hours behind now I said these are our options here and one of them was 10 p.m for her and like 8 a.m for me or something and she's like no sorry 10 p.m is too late for me and I was like good thank you like because I would say that but I think sometimes we're so inclined to be like oh yeah that's fine I'll just do that and she's like no sorry like good proud so, yeah, I did that today that someone tried to book in a sales call and they were like, can it be like as late as possible? I was like, I don't do calls after six. Yeah. Because it's just not good. Like, yeah. No, it's really not. Um, I've had real caffeine this morning because I thought, let's try and regulate everything as soon as possible because now I'm in Austin and I had it on an empty stomach and I had a half calf. But I forgot that Starbucks in the States is large. And so I was, I've got shakes. I've had some food now, but I'm still a bit like, but it's great because I'm just, I've done, I did a reel in like six minutes. I'm just like, everything's double speed. Oh, good. So this is going to be great. Double speed EIQ live. Um, okay. Anything you want to share before I crack on with the questions? Mm. I'd just like to caveat this live with I'm not well. <laughs> and if anyone's watching live and they're like why is why does Emma have a tooth missing I did it on purpose okay I actually paid to get this I actually paid for the amount of pain that I'm in right now um which makes it all the sweeter I have to say and and let's just oh my god oh my gosh I thought that I just looked at my window and I thought it was like a like a what are they called? Not a skunk, but those really scary things that's like an armadillo. I thought there was an armadillo crawling up my leg, <laughs> but it's just a squirrel. Oh my god, well that's a mistake to make. How big is the squirrel? Uh, it's large. It's really large. I've got such a fright. This, this apartment backs onto like a big foresty green space place. Oh my gosh, my heart just... What, do you know what? I saw... 
some like reel the other day and it was like a it was like woman saves child from like angry feral and I can't remember what it was now it might have been a beaver uh, oh no it wasn't a beaver it was like something but anyway it was quite bad it was like her like smacking this yeah that's great anyway because they can they're wild animals they can they they can just go feral at any moment well they are feral yeah just have to keep your wits about you you know you do you do sorry that very much distracted me um but yes we're very appreciative that you're here even though you are unwell shocking really you do love a a rest recovery day after all so it's shocking i can't hold a podcast today did you i'm actually really proud I, i think like I am very proud of you because whenever we've been chatting I've just like as long as whatever feels right for you that's great and and it's really hard to cancel stuff when you're not well I think like this has to be done anyway like I say I've cancelled it I've moved it to tomorrow but like it it only just makes more work later on so yeah I tend to like if I yeah sometimes I just cancel it though like it depends what it is well this is for my own clients like (laughs) sorry no yeah. coaching this week yeah but then I've done that when I had done dengue fever I didn't I wasn't oh, like, yeah, okay, that was, that was like not everything will be back to normal next week but there's no compensation unfortunately I just tell <laughs> because so, well, okay I have a question for you which is probably not that relevant to life but I want to know anyway um so I was like oh I could just get Ruth and Claire to do to do it but on the podcast now I'm quite possessive over my podcast, rightly so, because realistically, it's the biggest funnel into my business, right? So it's it's probably the most valuable asset that my business has, maybe even with like Instagram, right? And it didn't even, because Ruth was like, oh, we can do it for you if you want. And I was like, I I would never let a podcast go out on my podcast that wasn't, that didn't have me on it. Would you? I have done it, yeah. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. No. There was a week when I was really ill. It was maybe dengue fever week in Mexico, actually. And Anna did it with, I can't remember who it was. Anna, but then Anna's, but then same with you. I mean, Anna's been doing the podcast as long as I have been doing it. And yes, I well, do. Well, they're both it. new. So it'd be a bit like, yeah. Hey, it's but a podcast, just take it away. Yeah, totally, like totally valid. And also like my podcast is a stream of business for me, but it's not a mainstream like business well it is actually it's not as much as it is for you um but then with my email let's say I wouldn't have someone else write my email but then I would just skip the week I wouldn't like you know I would just not do it that week and then but then but then it's also partly I think with your brand too in the sense of what your brand is and what my brand is and my brand looks like if you're ill taking the day off and and not kind of make up for it and yours necessarily isn't that but that's not none of that's wrong I think actually looking at your behaviors, like we've said this before when, you know, coaches struggle to take holidays and stuff. Our clients have pulled us up, either myself or other coaches many times before saying, you talk about balance, but you never seem to like take a holiday and things like that. So it's like, you do have to look at when we talk about practicing what you preach, all of these things come into it more than obviously like your body shape or whatever. And people focus on that stuff, but it's like, no, but all of the other stuff is just as important and you set the standard. So I think all of it comes into it in terms of like, what's the right thing for you to do? Yeah. Okay. Um, Emily's just left a very nice message. She says, Emma, we would all totally understand if there was no podcast because you were ill, just take care of you. And she says, and if anyone didn't understand, I'd chase them with a cactus. 
which actually feels like what's in my mouth at the moment so yeah nobody nobody likes an aggressive cactus in their mouth no no bless you okay okay did you just hear that noise that just started coming out from somewhere in this oh. i'm still getting to grips with this airbnb and the rooms and the can you hear that not really no okay, I as long as it's not distracting for you I've, I, you know when you move into a new place i've come and sat right next to the wi-fi box just to make sure that the wi-fi is strong throughout so you just get just get used to it um okay we did rebecca's question last week um sorry i'm just trying to find the right the newest question okay emma's question what are your thoughts on the clear whey protein in water Drinking 20 to 25 grams of protein in 500 mils over the morning or afternoon, is it still good for muscle protein synthesis muscle protein synthesis, if it's being consumed over the space of a few hours? I have clients drinking it like this in their water bottles over the day. Thanks. I would actually recommend against that. Um, I, I mean, realistically, will it have a negative impact? No. Is it as good as getting in a 20 gram bam within like a 10 minute sitting no and then there is a potential negative and this was more like looked at when people used to just sit bcaas all day but you can become a little bit less resistant to the presence of amino acids when they're just constantly elevated a little bit throughout the day so it's something that like do i think that with a healthy population it would make much difference no but I, it wouldn't be something i would actively suggest I 100% agree. I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for the refractory period of that kind of um, coming down from having that peak in muscle protein synthesis. I also think potentially if you're doing that, you're less likely then to focus on having those spikes in muscle protein synthesis that we want to hit that um, threshold to kind of switch on maximally muscle protein synthesis. If you're like, oh, but I'm getting it throughout the day, you're less likely to have those regular kind of spikes. I also think there's just a lot to be said for consistently consuming calories through the day and not having periods of not consuming food, whether it be protein or something else. This is not so much an evidence-based recommendation, but in terms of like blood glucose control and things like that, we don't want to be consistently, remember protein is insulinogenic. So it does stimulate an insulin response. Maybe not, as, well, definitely not as high as carbohydrates, but it still does. And so health-wise- Well, actually whey is one of the things that really does, isn't it? Yeah. So health-wise, it's like, do you want to be consistently stimulating that? Probably not. Um, so I would avoid that. And I also think too, just in terms of the experience of food, it's a good thing to get into a habit of enjoying your meals, sitting down and eating them mindfully. And protein is included in that. Protein, when you're like, oh, just sip it throughout the day for the functional benefits, it kind of detracts away from what we're trying to do long-term, which is maintain healthful habits and make food an enjoyable part of life if you're like oh yeah but protein is like something that you have to consider on top of it and you can just drink it and it, it it's not as enjoyable I also think a question I find water weight and water kind of ick I've never actually had it I think it looks it I don't understand my brain can't compute when whey should taste like milk why whey tastes like water and that's a personal judgment of like I don't get it also, do you think it'd be a bit like if you ever leave a whey shake for genuinely more than like 30 minutes, it's not okay. And I wonder if it's similar with, I don't actually drink whey water stuff, but like, I wonder if it's a similar, like if you left that for a bit, it would probably smell really bad, which makes me think 
something's happening before it gets to that point that's not great either uh, I, i'm not no so the answer is we're not for it yeah don't drink warm farts that's the answer to that one okay for the majority of your morning <laughs> okay maureen's question Hola, is there a chance that some medical conditions and or medication can reduce someone's BMR? I have a client recently really struggling to lose weight. We have discussed under reporting, etc., but she is confident her reporting is as good as it can be. In theory, what she's reporting, quote unquote, should elicit fat loss. She mentioned she has a rare condition since having her daughter four years ago and is now on bi-weekly infusions of eclusimat, which and since then hasn't been able to lose weight. This client is a GP and it was hard that flagged the possibility of the infusions hindering fat loss. Any guidance would be greatly appreciated. So this medication is, is a, it's like an antibody. So it's an infusions of an antibody, right, for reference. I didn't know that. I obviously looked Yeah, no, I, did, I looked at it just before I came on then. I was like, oh, I just woke up from a nap. So look at everything. Well, to the first part of the question, Yes, there are things that can impact BMR, including certain medications, but you'd be thinking more about something like beta blockers, which are going to lower your heart rate. I'd find it quite surprising if this did anything to BMR. Yeah, there's no mechanistic reasoning as to why these this specific medication would impact BMR or fuel use or anything like that. Um, so it's very very unlikely it's it's this is a really good example I think of associating one thing with another because it fits our kind of narrative or story that we've told ourselves right and this is probably just an association and when we're struggling it's easier to sort of say oh well it's probably x equals y as opposed to like these two things have potentially just happened at the same time. Maybe actually when she started getting these infusions four years ago, she like, or since also she had a baby and maybe that yeah, thing to yeah. be up to I don't know. Like could be anything, it might be that. <laughs> I was just like at a time think, oh yeah, it's just when she had a child. But realistically, she's probably not slept in four years. And yeah. that can have on everything from body image to mindfulness, to movement, to hunger levels it's much more likely to be all of these things and it's really hard it's a really hard conversation to have in this situation the way that I would broach it is you know um yes for sure some medications kind of what we said can impact this but there's no reason why this specific medication would have any direct impact on your metabolic rate at all um I would think it's more likely potentially like things have been more challenging since having your daughter not like you've just not such things since having your daughter not that morning you would ever use that phrase but just for reference I think it's um, more likely you're a lazy fucking <laughs> see that's much more likely what you're gonna say um yeah and and I would just broach it I'd broach it in that way I think realistically the thing is with medications like we always go to that right we always say it's medication and sometimes it is but but the magnitude of it is often not huge I mean I do think with beta blockers for sure I think the magnitude relative to others can be a bit higher and there are certain um, exceptions to that but realistically the magnitude is probably still never sufficient enough to really offset a calorie deficit although it yeah, it's not going to be like a 500 calorie deficit is now nothing 
Like mm. that's not going to happen. And it might be that a 500 calorie deficit is now a 450 calorie deficit or a 400 calorie deficit. But then even then it's more like the impact that that has. Like if beta blockers mean that you're more lethargic and thus you move less, like that might actually impact. Or if this medication means that you're quite drowsy during the day or like you might even say this about like antihistamine when you've got hay fever, you might be like, oh, it really makes me put on weight. And it's like, or is it the side effect that you're drowsy and then you can't bother to go to the gym and then you make poorer food choices because you're tired and you're hungry? And like, that's the impact of the medication. Now, it's not like a direct, oh, my God, I take this and suddenly I store calories that I haven't consumed. It's like that has impacted your behaviors and that has impacted your energy balance. Agree. Okay. Annie's question. Hi, hi. First query. Wondering how best to support a client who feels like she enjoys the overeating that happens after she's let herself get super, super hungry. She's made huge, huge progress tuning into her cues and not letting herself get to this point, but still struggles with the consistency due to this mentality. Well, um, I'm going to jump in because this is a conversation I've had quite a lot in regards mostly to binge but also to overeating and that we assume that people don't like it because people want to stop it, right? Over time, binge eating and overeating is something that we really dislike. We often feel shame around it. It makes us gain weight. We feel out of control, all of these things. That is the narrative that is consistently spoken about on social media. Realistically, many people in the moment get some joy from binge eating and from overeating. This is not abnormal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I actually just post recently of like when I was feeling sad the other night and I was eating my grapes and I was shoving my grapes in my gob and I was like, God, I wish I would just emotionally eat sometimes because I genuinely, it does for give you a temporary reprieve to your feelings if that's what, why you're doing it. But also but you do it's enjoyable. Like, yeah, food is enjoyable. enjoyable. Like eating more than what you need is enjoyable. Like food is tasty. Like of course there's like, you wouldn't be doing it if, you, if there wasn't a reason for it if it wasn't like somewhat enjoyable at the time exactly and and I think like normalizing it and so someone's not like but it's harder for me because I enjoy it but 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 most people do I and mean, then physiologically you get the reward response right so you get the physiological high as well as the potential suppression of emotions the, the the enjoyment of the food all of these things so I think normalizing it is really really important um and then realistically it's like okay well then find joy elsewhere because if you struggle to find joy in your life then you're going to want to find joy more from the easy the easy wins which is food so like supporting her to, to find happiness and not happiness but joy or play elsewhere so that she doesn't have so much of a drive to get it from food it's probably really important Any advice for helping a client who does really well nutritionally, she eats for health, energy and weight maintenance, but then feels like she falls into a mindset of, I can afford to eat crap now, and then tends to spiral into periods of eating more and more quote unquote crap. Mm, I think I did a podcast on this because someone put a kind of similar thing in Commit Six. So it's basically more broadly, I'm, I do quite well. And then... I just end up like overeating because I'm getting results. It's like this weird like cycle thing. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's me as well. This happens to me. Like I do well for a few weeks or sometimes it's like, I even I do well for a few days and then I just like self-sabotage. 
and often what's going on isn't really like self-sabotage it's just that sometimes there's so many reasons this could be but often I think it's like perfectionism because realistically after about a week or two something in your life is going to go wrong like maybe not wrong but like there's a birthday or something happens or you've missed a gym session or something and then it's your response to that and in your head you're like this is so weird I'm getting great results but now I'm going off track and it's kind of similar to the binge eating thing of like yeah because it's nice to eat those like those temptations will still be there even if like what you're doing is amazing and it's getting you results it doesn't mean that the temptation of having a burger isn't still there or the temptation of sitting on the couch instead of going to the gym isn't still there and now and again you'll take it but I think and the point I want to make about this because honestly like half the group had replied underneath I can't understand that this is me too but I'm like it's everyone every single person like the difference isn't that people don't feel that it's just that some people don't act on it or when they do act on it they don't over catastrophize it so they're not like oh I had one burger I'll just overeat for the rest of the week and completely undo my fat loss they're like oh okay right now I'm gonna get back you know if I ate a little bit too much today I'm gonna eat a little bit less tomorrow or if I miss the gym today I'm gonna make sure that I get there tomorrow it's more of like the mindset shift of that than anything else I think but I think it's really common for people to kind of like start getting results and then end up overeating yeah agreed I think the only other thing I'd add is there's still clearly some struggle around like food neutrality there in the sense of she's still like some food is crap some food is good and if she's eating for health energy and weight maintenance day to day I don't mean every day but day to day on the whole this will if she's got a good relationship with food and likes these foods that she calls quote-unquote crap then her diet should include these sometimes if she enjoys those foods day to day and I don't mean again I don't mean daily so it's likely that if she's eating for health and weight maintenance it's and still falling into the kind of screw it mentality at certain points it's likely that she still just has that element of restriction and so this again I'm mindful of whose ears this falls on like with so with some of my clients we say like we will recommend a habit of including a food that has been previously limited for these reasons every single day for some people that are on a fat loss journey that's not going to be appropriate because you can't realistically do that every single day well you can realistically but it's not necessarily the best way to go right but if you're someone who's working on um, health and weight maintenance and um, stopping this all or nothing thinking which effectively it is then actively actively including these foods day to day it can actually be quite helpful so again thinking about where you are on your journey is really important but for this specific client that's probably what I would tackle with her as well as the stuff that you were saying mm-hmm. um, okay oops sorry my phone just locked Ooh, oh man sorry third what are your go-to ways or prompts for working through limiting beliefs and not letting them hold you back slash lead to self-sabotage what are your go-to ways slash prompts to for working through limiting beliefs and not letting them hold you back slash lead to self-sabotage um I think being quite aware of them and just being very aware of like how they do lead to negative outcomes this kind of links into the question like I did a podcast this week which might be useful to both of these because I think that does link into the question before of like a lot of what was coming up when people were talking about how they stick to something for a given period of time and even if they're getting results they go off track it's like part of that's because you're telling yourself that 
And then when the tiniest thing happens, you're like, see, knew it. And it, with the tough love side, it's like, you're then using that as an excuse to continue to overeat. So you're like, oh, I did really well for two weeks. And then like, I don't know, it's my partner's birthday. So I ate some cake and then I knew I always messed everything up and, and this always happens. And then you end up massively overeating and actually screwing stuff up instead of just being like, it's my partner's birthday so I had some cake and then the next day I got back to normal eating like that's the difference but I think when you have this story in your head that you only ever stick to something for two weeks at around the two week mark if anything isn't exactly perfect you're like yeah that's it and then you just use that as an excuse to derail yourself so I think calling yourself out on that is really important I agree. I think sometimes like the common thing that I'll say is you'll find evidence that disputes that limit and belief. So having a bit of paper and on like folding it in half and on one side, writing down your limit and beliefs on the other hand, writing down all the evidence that you have that disputes that can be really quite helpful. But then sometimes people will come back and say, well, I have no evidence to dispute that. I have only evidence that supports that. And it's like, okay, well then we need to look for evidence or create some evidence that disputes that. So um, that is with the knowledge of what your limiting beliefs are. Once you've got them, then you can start going like going through them with that evidence or evidence hunting and you can make it an empowering thing of like oh, we're going to do this really cool challenge this week and um, so you have this limiting belief of x so this week I want you to um, find some new evidence that's going to dispute that whatever that looks like whether it be food all of these things and you can make it kind of an empowering exciting process for someone to to go through um but if someone doesn't know what their limiting beliefs are because I think sometimes we think that we know what they are but actually I don't know if we always do. It's kind of like values. We're like, oh, I value health and love. And realistically, have we done the work to figure out exactly what they are? And you were talking about like the stories you tell yourself. And I think that's the ultimate prompt for helping out your limit and like figuring out your limit and beliefs. So if this happened, I don't know, like mine would be an example where mine came up for me like a while ago was I was talking about a specific situation and I said, okay, that like this makes me feel or I'm, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z. Why does that matter to me? Well, because if I feel X, Y, or Z, this means that what's don't, and then I'll say like, what story am I telling myself? Or what I actually write is like the story I'm telling myself is, and just see what comes out really, really naturally. Because in our heads, we tell ourselves loads of stories all the time, and we don't know like what's fact, what's thought, like what we should listen to. But when you write it down, it's quite scary sometimes. Like if you let it flow, like realistically, the stories that you are telling yourself can be quite concerning. And, and the example I'm using was like this was like the end of last year, but I remember in on a plane with Louisa at the time my best friend um writing the story that I'm telling myself is I'm unlovable and then I was like oh that's horrendous I probably told you about it. I was like that's horrendous because I know that's not true and I would never have thought that that was what was in my brain in response to why I was overthinking a specific situation so I think sometimes it's, it really is as as much as we talk about journaling all the time really getting a bit deeper with your journaling and sitting with it and, and letting it come out when you notice a trigger that's when you want to journal like okay but like why am I overthinking the fact that Emma hasn't texted me back today like that's not a big deal well because because I tell because I think I'm unlovable and it's confirming my belief but like you don't you, you want use the trigger as like a little bit of a thread to pull on and then like delve into that I think yeah um okay we don't have any other questions oh great um Maureen just said that she thinks my impression was questionable. Maureen, I don't think your, your sound quality is great because I actually thought it was <laughs> What's excellent. That yeah, I know better. I actually thought you were here. 
Oh, okay. um, I don't know if I have anything of interest to share. The one thing I was doing, I was did a talk this week on. Um, someone asked me, one of a coach asked me to do a talk on the and within forty five minutes on relationships with food and body image and specifically in yo-yo dieters and people who are often like are, are a lot of people are perimenopausal and I was like okay let's get this into 45 minutes and she's great and it, it was great and a lovely group of women but I was talking about um like that those shifts in hormones and binge eating and stuff I remember last week on the live mm. I was talking in terms of um, estrogen and stuff but specifically when I was talking about perimenopause I found some cool research around like risks of disordered eating and stuff and it seems to be more like there's getting to be more research around perimenopausal women and one of the the things that they were the an article I was reading was talking about was we often neglect to think about um when we're looking at the relationship like so if people haven't listened to it we see an increased risk of emotional eating and binge eating when lute, when during luteal phase when estrogen and progesterone peak together high and that's often when we see this increased risk and when we think about menopause, we often think of it as like the state of hypoestrogenism, when actually there are states during perimenopause where actually estrogen is dominant because of the reduction in progesterone. And so there are states where estrogen is dominant. And this is often where we see these peaks in um, disordered eating in people who are perimenopausal, which was really, really interesting. Um, but there was a study done in like earlier this year. I'm just going to see if I've got the results in front of me, but I don't know if I do. But it was in perimenopausal women. And they identified that what they said was, quote unquote, dissatisfaction with body image is a key risk factor for disordered eating around midlife. So they were looking at, again, perimenopausal women. And the two drivers that were central to disordered eating during perimenopause were fear of gaining weight and fear of losing control over eating habits. And I thought that that was really interesting because of this. I think there's this narrative of during perimenopause, you are going to gain weight. You're going to gain weight in your midsection. Your metabolism is going to crash. You're going to lose all of your muscle mass. You have no control over your body changes. And interestingly, those people that had the highest risk of disordered eating or disordered eating scores had the highest fear of gaining weight and the highest fear of losing control over eating habits, which again shows you how important it is, like the narrative that you have and surrounding yourself with, not with these people that disempower you and say, oh, these all these, these things that are going to happen to you during menopause which a like are, are untrue a lot of the time but b don't have to become like this self-fulfilling prophecy because the impact that that could have on your disorder is huge and again it highlights the impact of like positive age beliefs right and like not letting these things become the foundation for like these thoughts become the foundation for our behaviors yeah i so we, we actually had another comment in commit six about this today and it was a woman who, I think she joined some Facebook group. But anyway, she was like, everyone, they're all menopausal women and they all can't, like, they're all, they can't lose weight. And she's like, I don't know if I should even be trying anymore. Like, is there any point? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm so glad that she reached out. But I think one of the points you have to make as well is that there's no one that's being like, oh, I'm going through menopause and actually losing weight. Or like, you know, there are maybe a few people, but they're not shouting about it because it's really fucking hard for some people. It's like, people who who have a baby and and it wasn't like horrendous they don't talk about it like half as much as someone who struggled during childbirth because it's a bit like shit for the person who struggled right or like oh I actually don't find that I'm really struggling with menopause sucks for you like they're not there's no fucking headline on that woman goes through menopause and doesn't gain weight like you know they're just quietly getting on with their lives because they're not shouting about it and 
so you only hear the loudest voices which might not necessarily be everybody and I think the other point to make and this is the point I made to her is that those things look at averages right so like the average woman gains weight during menopause now also have a look at the average woman she's not looking at a diet the average western diet's a heap of shit like she's not exercising she's not like going out for walks she's not I'm like even as even if you're just following one of us on social media like you're not the average person like you're way more health conscious the likelihood is you're doing way more than what the average person is doing and thus your health consequences won't be the same as the average person and that's the problem with looking at research and then seeing it as a self-fulfilling prophecy of if I'm menopausal look the stats say this will happen same as like most diets fail or there's no point dieting it's like yeah but if you're here like you're not going to get a shit average diet you're going to get actual support right and if you're here the likelihood is your resistance training you're eating enough protein like you don't have to have some of these negative connotations of aging to the extent that the average person would who's not doing those things so I think and I don't and it's interesting there like the kind of evidence of how that can leads to worse outcomes like that expectation of what's going to happen mm. and they didn't frame it like that at all and they didn't they weren't talking about like the expectation or anything like that but I thought yeah I think it's just mm. super super interesting okay fabulous great questions everyone thanks guys bye, bye.